Well, it is a joy to join you here this morning. It has now been one month since I have come and joined Haven. And uh, just this sweet church uh, is such a, a pleasure and a blessing to be here. And, you know, I hope it is for you as well, but uh, we just praise the Lord, you know, that you know, the Lord has led us here and that we've had uh, this time. It's only been a month, but, man, it has been a joy to be here uh, for the month that we've had. And so uh, just praise Him for that. And uh, praise the Lord. This is something that you wouldn't even necessarily know about, but on Wednesday night I had, a, you know, allergy galore. And, and so I was, uh, you know, potentially going to lose my voice. And as you can hear now, I, I have my voice and allergies have mostly subsided. So praise the Lord for that. And just they answered prayer in that way and asked the people there on Wednesday night to pray for me. And, and so I praise God that, you know, I'm able to come here today and bring the word uh, to, to glorify him. And, and so, uh, as you probably noticed, my wife is not here, though. And uh, our little uh, Micah, uh, nine-month-old, he unfortunately is not feeling well still. So he uh, and my, uh, Megan, my wife, are there at home. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, but she's missed. But uh, glad that you know, at least I can be here and lead you all. So um, speaking of prayer, though, let's uh, go to the Lord in prayer. And uh, let's go to him that he would lead us in his word this morning. Father, we come before you and we thank you, O Lord. Uh, We praise you, Father. We uh, glorify you and we thank you for your grand and your merciful plans and your purposes that have become and have been realized in Jesus Christ. We thank you, Father, for uh, the glorious truth that we come and gather this morning as partakers of mercy. And Father, may that just be precious to us. And may that just uh, give us great uh, joy and comfort in the glorious truth of all the, the uh, uh, grandness of your plans and of the gospel. And so we thank you, Father. And as we have received mercy, we just pray, Lord, um, and continue to pray that may the gospel go out. Uh, may it go out now as we have this time that we would hear your word, and we would hear it, and we would receive it, and then we would go and proclaim it. And so help us, Father, to do just that, and to come this morning ready to do uh, just that. And, and Father, we pray, even as Paul prayed at the beginning of this letter of Colossians, that you would uh, keep working, Father, uh, and that you would work now as well. And uh, we just thank you for the work that you have already done, even in this short time that I've been here at Haven, and we thank you for that work. Uh, We pray, Father, uh, just now that you help us come to your word. Help us uh, prepare our hearts to hear it and to receive it. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. This morning, I'd like to begin with a confession. So as a young man, I had a kind of pride in being a rebel. Now, I know no one else here is like that. I'm sure your memories growing up were just filled with occasions of humble piety. And, you know, I can say, though, honestly, in all honesty, you know, I was not humble nor pious as a young man. 
Um, I had grown up with two brothers, and we thought, you know, we were rather a macho bunch. And so we had grown up uh, watching all those movies that would make you uh, think that, you know, uh, Jackie Chan and Bruce Lee and uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger and, and so on. <laughs> so, uh, well, this uh, uh, macho rebel attitude that I had did not serve me well. I remember uh, one of the first jobs I had, you know, I had been hired on at a grocery store. Uh, there in uh, Jinx, Oklahoma. That's where we're from, Oklahoma. And, uh, you know, of course, I was, I was glad to have this job at this grocery store. And, you know, I began the job. And, but after a while, you know, uh, after bagging a good many people's groceries, I had become tired of bagging people's groceries. <laughs> and I had, you know, uh, been tired of the whole thing. Well, in my youthful wisdom... I made sure, I proudly told everyone how much I disliked the job. I made it clear that I was looking for a new job and I could not wait to leave this one. Well, as you can imagine, management did not like my attitude. So one day, my supervisor, you know, he took me aside uh, and he said, Now, Andrew, from what I understand, you don't like working here. Is that right? Yep, that's, that's exactly right. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, yeah, I had to let everybody know that. So, okay, and so he continues, okay, well, I've heard you're looking for a new job. Is that, is that right? And he said, yep, that is exactly right, and I hope to find one soon. Rebel heart coming out. Well, now, so he, in response, he said, well, now you can have all the time you need to look for a new job. <laughs> so that was the end of my time at that grocery store at that point. But as bad as, you know, that was in my rebel heart, uh, it was not finished. So in celebration of now having this newfound freedom of not working at this grocery store any longer, so I went and I went at that grocery store and I bought a uh, red velvet cake in celebration. And, and so I went and bought this and I went home and I told everyone how I was going to go home and celebrate my newfound freedom of not working at this grocery store anymore. Now, as funny as that may be, this pointed and points to a very real problem in me. You know, I had a rebel heart. It was proud. It was selfish. It was after its own way. And this is just one example. So what is going on there? You know, as good as we may think we are, you know, this, this rebel spirit that I had, you know, is not unique to me. All of us are a rebellious bunch. And we aren't mildly rebellious either. You know, our world is full of it. You know, wars. Where does that begin? Fights. Conflicts. Broken friendships, broken families, broken relationships, broken marriages, pride, hate, self-centeredness, self-sufficiency, and on I could go. It begins. Even you may be sitting there thinking, well, that was a small thing you did there, Andrew, compared to those things. Well, it begins there, doesn't it? So what is our problem? This morning, 
we continue in the letter to the Colossians to come to terms with our common problem. But we aren't left there either with this grand problem. We are also given God's solution to our common problem. So if you have a Bible, and I hope you do, please turn with me to Colossians chapter 1, verses 21 through 23. And may God bless His Spirit-inspired Word, and may His Spirit make His Word clear for us this morning. And you, who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him, if indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. Last week, we saw in the verses that preceded these verses here, we saw the exalted Son who is over all of creation and who is over all of salvation as well. And And I hope you did, and I hope we together did this, but we heard the Son exalted. And I pray that we exalted Him last Sunday as well. And and so we saw the Son exalted who is above all because He is above all. Now here, in these verses, Paul comes to apply a theme that he began in verses 19 through 20 to the Colossians and to us as well. So we are given here, what we are given here is in many ways it is a gospel picture. So rightly then, it begins with our problem. So what is our problem? Well first, we see our problem is that we are fallen. We are fallen. Paul says of the Colossians that they once were alienated. They were an estranged people. They were a people who were alienated. They were separated from God. But this was not limited to them, was it? It includes us. It includes you and it includes me. So something has gone drastically wrong in us and in our world. You know, years ago, uh, when a newspaper asked the question... What's wrong with the world? G.K. Chesterton, known for his wit and wisdom, he said to have written back, Dear sirs, I am yours, G.K. Chesterton. And that's right. I think it's, you know, we hear that and we're like, okay, well, yeah, I get that. I think it's easy for us to hear that, but it takes much longer for the full weight of this to come tumbling down upon us. And that is exactly what it is. When the reality of this truth that we are a fallen people, and when that comes into us and we receive it in full and we understand it, it is a tumbling down. 
We'd like to think the best about ourselves and the human condition, but what a block of stumbling that is. And if it isn't that, it's, you know, well, they're bad, sure, but, you know, I'm not bad. You know, everyone out there is bad. Uh, that family, that person who did that, who the school shooting, he, he was bad. You know, the, the people who murdered those people, they are bad. The people who stole those things, they are bad. But, you know, I'm really not that bad. But, you know, the truth is, you are also. This imagery of alienation was there from the very beginning of our rebellion of our fall. Adam and Eve did not leave the garden. They were cast out of the garden. Alienation, estrangement, separation. And you know what? They died that day. No, they did not die physically. If you wonder, well, didn't he say they were going to die? They did. They died spiritually. And that is a problem. And that is our common problem. And you will not understand life until you understand this. This was not a small mistake. It wasn't like, oh, whoop. I'm sorry, I didn't see you there. Uh, Oh, whoops. Uh, Was that your foot I stepped on? I am so sorry. That is not what happened with the fall. This was no slight fall. The effects of the fall would invade every single part of our lives. In fact, they have become so common that we can hardly imagine a world where fallenness is not the rhyme and rhythm of our days. It's just the way the world is. We don't even think twice about it. Well, yeah, it's just messed up. At the root of every ache, of every pain, of every broken piece is our alienation from God. We are unclean, unholy, guilty, Flawed. Not right with God. But as bad as that is, Paul, he goes on. Second, our problem is we are enemies of God. Separated from God. Enemies of God. So this word hostile here, it literally means enemy. Woof. So the disposition of our minds towards God is hostility. So when I was younger, my family, they, you know, we moved rather frequently uh, within Oklahoma. Uh, and somewhere along the way, I think maybe it might have been uh, more Oklahoma. But nonetheless, you know, along the way, I had met uh, a neighbor uh, that was my age or close to my age. Can't quite remember. Um, you know, he lived right down the street from us. And so we were, uh, we were the best of friends, and we were the worst of friends. Let's put it that way. You know, I loved it when he came over, and I hated it when he came over. So every time he came over, you know, we would eventually, at some point, you know, it might have started out really good, and then at some point, we would begin arguing with each other, and then we would begin throwing down. You know, we would get on the ground, fight each other, fists, wrestling, all that. And that was every single time he came over. So that was the theme of our short-lived friendship. 
You know, and eventually, of course, my parents wisely intervened, and he was no longer able to come over. Well, this kind of love-hate relationship, this isn't the way uh, we are with God. We don't love him and kind of like him. We hate God. Our minds are deeply and persistently at odds with God. Now, does that not make sense of the world as we see it? At every angle, even just our nation alone, how many walls are being seek to be built that are being built for the purpose of hatred of God, undoing anything that He has said? Making us question God and the ways of God and the people of God. You know, and that's bad. You know, that our thoughts are that way. Our thoughts outside of Christ are stained with rebellion. You know, and perhaps, you know, your own thoughts have shocked you. You know, and let me just say, if it hasn't happened to you yet, just wait. You know, the devil has a common strategy and our sin nature has a common sting that we all feel. You can hide from your hostile thoughts if you like. But know this, in hiding from them, you are coming to a common hiding place. A group of trees where others have hid as well before you. And like Adam and Eve, trying to hide from the reality of our condition is of no use. God, He knows. And our help is not in hiding. In trying to cover ourselves. It's in coming fully into the light of the hope that is found in Christ and in Christ alone. It's in running to and not away from the one that we have offended. That's where our hope is. But Paul, he goes on yet still. Third, our problem is we walk in evil deeds. Our alienation and our estrangement from God is further explained here. We are a people, hostile in mind, and who walk in evil deeds. So flowing from our evil, hostile thoughts, naturally what happens? Our mouths speak, our hands move, our feet go to and fro, and our bodies act. In other words, our problem is us. The whole person is offset by this alienation, by this estrangement, by this separation from God, by this severing of relationship with God. It is no, like I said, no mild separation. Our evil deeds cry out, something is wrong here. This is broken. I am broken. So recently, Megan and I, you know, we are Marvel fans, and you've heard me bring up Marvel movies more than once up here, but we were watching uh, one of the new Marvel movies, uh, Dark Phoenix. Well, in this movie, there's a, a scene, especially, it's supposed to be a moving scene, and I get it why. Well, where Professor X, he's kind of this guy who's uh, the leader of the school and helps these school for children who have these special powers, uh, mutants. 
And so he comes and he takes Jean Grey, she's an especially powerful mutant, to this school because she was out of control. She was doing a great deal of damage. And as she got older, it became severe, like severely out of control. She did one thing bad after another, one evil deed after another. But Professor X, he comes and he tells her, you know, as kind of her hope. So in front of the school, he says to her, you know what? Jean, you are struggling, but you are not broken. Now, there is no doubt, God, He loves us, and there is no doubt that there is hope for us. But as moving as a scene like that can be, the amazing truth is not that we are not broken, it's that He loved us even though we are. Now let me adjure you, don't hide from it. I know this is all very heavy. It is bad news. And it's supposed to be. Because it's true. It is. It's called a curse for a reason. Because it is a curse. It's not good. It means hell for sinners. But this bad news makes God's good news all the more beautiful. Hence, Paul, he turns to move from our problem then to God's solution. The death of his son. So the magnitude of our problem and our fallenness required this much. This was no cheap price to pay. This was a costly costly reconciliation. For us to be made right with God, it would require the death of His Son. It would require the Father's sacrifice of His only Son. And so the gulf that separated God and you is only repairable through Him, through Jesus. And that is beautiful. That is glorious News. We have this tremendous, massive problem, and God, though He did not have to, He did not need to, and you do not deserve it, He came and He sent His Son into the world to save sinners. And that is beautiful. But you will not see it, and you will not see the glory of it until you see the great problem that we just saw as well. Our great problem. So many of you know Jesus here. You know, Paul, he wrote this to the Colossians because they know him. In other words, they, they used to be enemies of God, doing evil deeds, but now they are right with God. And so are you, if you know him. And that is beautiful, glorious news. And that is reason for us this morning to praise Him. To rejoice in what He has done. And it is flowing from this truth, reconciliation. 
It is flowing from this that this letter then goes and it presses on. It goes on with those who know Christ then being conformed to Christ. It goes on with those who know Christ going on to live as new creatures in Christ. It seems like maybe what was uh, undone in create uh, in the fall is now being made anew, like maybe we're being made new creatures in Christ. He is bringing about a kingdom where we would go out as people who are part of that kingdom. But as you have heard all this, you may be realizing that this does not describe you. You may be sitting there and realizing, you know what? I, I actually am not reconciled with God. I do not know Him. I plead with you, be reconciled to God. Amen. Respond to this good news. You must recognize that this is not your friend's problem. It is not your dad and mom's problem. It is not your neighbor's problem, but it is your problem. Do you know him? Have you been reconciled to God through his son? So with God's solution before us then, Paul, he goes on here to give God's purpose. You would be able to approach Him. So in Christ, though we aren't, we won't be perfect until we enter into glory, we are in the sight of God considered all of these things he mentions right here, right now. In order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before Him. So if you are among those who are reconciled with God, He no longer sees all your dirt and all your grease and all your stains. He does not see alienation. He does not see that hostile mind. He does not see the evil deeds. What He sees is He sees Jesus. And in Christ, now, you are considered holy, blameless, and above reproach. And one day, when you come before Christ, what you are positionally, you will be actually. Amen. So, come as you are. He is the one who makes you all of these things, not you. This is not a fix yourself and then come to Jesus message. This is you are a fallen, broken, and desperately in need of Him, so come as you are. He will make you what you are not. And that is reason to praise Him. But we then turn to come here to this final verse to a warning. So we have here God's warning. Remain in the faith. So Paul, he writes, If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, 
not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard. Now, this could be a troubling point for some. I hope it isn't. I mean, it's God's word. So God is nonetheless calling us right now to to hear it. And I hope it's not received as this troubling point, but it's received as medicine for your soul. Now, this is not saying, do this and be saved. As one commentator stated well and clearly, you know, you are not saved by continuing in the faith, but we continue in the faith and thus prove that we are saved. And that's right. So let's be clear here. If you know Jesus, Jesus promises no one will snatch them out of my hand. No one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. And that is not a promise He will go back on. From our perspective, yes, the waves may lift us up and they may throw us about. It may even seem as though that we're going to be pulled out into the sea But remember, that is your perspective. It is not God's perspective. God's perspective is different. Yes, the waves are throwing you about. They are difficult. They are even painful. Yet those waves come with you firmly in His grip. There will be no wave, however great, that will be able to pull you or carry you or snatch you from His hand. Now That's a comfort. But here's the warning. This passage is given to warn you. So, if you need to, tremble at this. This is a warning to those who are trusting in a ticket they do not have. Or they do have a ticket, it's just not the one that they think they have. They think to themselves, well, I have a ticket. I've got a, a get out of hell free card. So let's sit abound, eat, drink, be merry. You know what? I can do whatever I want and God will still receive me into heaven. I, I'm good. Well, many have bought that ticket and they will find that it does not work at the gate. Sorry, this ticket was not sold here. This ticket is a ticket to hell. This is the warning. Your position in Christ does not mean you will not endure. Those who know Christ will endure. They will not falter. They will keep fighting. They will keep growing. They will keep becoming conformed to Christ. Yes, you will fall. Yes, you will get beat up, and even greatly. But as I believe, Malachi who says, yes, I have sinned against the Lord, uh, oh, my enemy, but, oh, I will rise. Just like David did as well. 
in the warning side, unlike Saul, who did not rise. So for some here, you need to tremble, you need to repent, and perhaps even trust in Christ truly here today. So take heed to the warning. But for others, this is a balm for the soul, and we need to respond to this by kissing the rod. So kiss the rod. What do I mean? I mean the good rod of God's discipline. This is what this may be for you. Maybe you've strayed and God, He is calling you back. My sheep, hear my voice and follow me. So this isn't meant to condemn you, but it's meant to bring you back. To ensure that it comes as a warning to say, do not go that direction. Remain steadfast, stable, not shifting from the hope of the gospel. So this is a function of discipline and it is for your good. It's unpleasant. But it's a God-given gift. I mean, how many ways God's goodness has been seen with each one of these points? And this morning, He may have broken you down. He may have built you up, disciplined you, and now He calls you to not shift from the hope of the Gospel. And we need to hear that. Do not shift from the hope of the Gospel. There is no other gospel. This is the lone good news. Be warned. Press on. Continue in the faith. Don't be moved. Hear His Word. Receive it. And may it be that our rightful response would not be one of, I don't like that point, but instead, Amen, Lord. Thank you for your gracious solution, purpose, and your warning. Let's pray. Father, I just, we come, we ask, Lord, as this passage has so many pieces to it, but what we do see is we see this gospel picture, our problem, our solution, your purpose, or your solution, your purpose, and your warning for us. And so, Lord, may we just simply come and humble ourselves, and if that means someone here right now needs to to consider themselves and ask, do I know him? Have I been reconciled with him? Do I need to tremble at this? May you work in their hearts now to do just that. And may each of us kiss the rod. Each of us glory in your glorious solution. You would save us. You would send your son to redeem people who are unworthy. We praise you, Lord, and we thank you. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.